then you really do see the, the, the penny drop when you share something with somebody. They get it and the joy and, and uh, you know, watching them start their, their, their journey is, as Phil pointed out, is addictive. It's something that you just really love. So I think it's been nothing better than improving yourself internally, externally, but also sharing and helping others is, is an amazing thing to, to be able to do. I know that um, together probably had contact and helping and sharing people, over a million people in our martial arts journey. We've actually had an impact in their lives. Ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Are you ready? Keep this frequency clear. I know you're going to dig this. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Check, check it out. You're listening to the Martial Arts Media Podcast, where you, the martial arts school owner, gets insider tips and secrets from leading experts to help you build a more profitable martial arts business. Now, here's your host, the founder of martialartsmedia.com. Y'all know the name. George Faree. Hi, this is George Free, and welcome to the first official martial arts media podcast. Now, this is a big adventure for me, and I'm sure it's going to be one for you because my goal with this podcast is to be interviewing top martial arts business experts from around the globe and dissecting their methods, their strategies, their frameworks, their mindset, everything that it takes for them to be successful. And I'm going to go be going from exploring the journey from the beginning, how they got started, how they got the money, how they made the transition from part-time school owner or just martial arts student to a martial arts business owner and going through that process. And this first episode is really going to set the benchmark because I am interviewing two industry experts that run a top school, a top organization, I'd rather say, because they've expanded from one school to the day I met them to now three with 1,600 students all up. And whether that is a goal for you or not to have such a large organization, I can tell you what, they share some gold within the interview, which I would have to break up in three parts because it went for a good hour and a half going back and forth and, and learning their journey of how they got to where they are today. But before we get into that, I want to give you a bit of a background about me and how I got started with this whole podcast journey. A little more than five years ago, I was just a parent sitting inside the dojo on the side of the mat watching my son go through his martial arts journey. At that point in time, I was not involved in martial arts whatsoever, although I was always, I've always been fascinated by it. I've always been impressed by the discipline and the, the methodologies around martial arts. And attending all these classes, I still had the opportunity to work on what was important to me, which is, of course, my business, doing digital marketing, building my online business, and marketing my products online and everything that I was doing at that point in time. And spending a lot of time at the dojo, I couldn't help but notice what they were trying to do with their online marketing, getting their message out on Facebook and social media, and they were trying blogging strategies at the time. And having a lot of experience with this, I thought, you know what, these guys obviously need help. Let me let me offer my advice. And I went to the guys and said, look, there's a few things I think that you can really optimize and improve. Why not I come and see you guys and I'll just give you free consulting as such. I had a meeting with them and about half an hour in they asked me, look, can you just do this stuff for us? And it was something I'd never contemplated, doing my marketing stuff as a service. I already had a growing business at that time and I wasn't really looking to take on any clients. But after some consideration, I decided, you know what, this is going to be a learning experience for me as well. So why not just take it on? 
And I started doing all the, well, not all, but a couple of the digital marketing activities that they needed help with. As doing, as I got more involved with doing stuff for the club, I asked myself the question, why, why am I not doing martial arts? I had the old objections of maybe I'm too old and I don't know if I'm fit enough and so forth. But after some consideration, I just decided, look, why not? I've always looked for something that could keep me fit, keep me healthy, maybe help with a bit of confidence and just being a bit more active with my body while learning a few self-defense skills, of course. So I started, I started to train and I got to tell you, my first class, I was hooked. That was it. I started training twice a week, then it was three times, four times, and my passion for martial arts just grew and grew. Alongside with that, the martial arts club where I was training just started to grow as well. They were they had about six, seven hundred students at the time. I started training there, and then they decided to open another school, then a third. I know at this point in time they have sixteen, seventeen hundred students. So with all this happening their demands for marketing their school grew and my passion for martial arts grew and it reached a point where this part-time gig, I either had to let it go or turn it into a business. And of course, the logical step for me was having two passions unite to turn this into a business and see how can I help other martial arts school owners do the same. Now, doing all this stuff for them, we really discovered a few things that really worked. Um, some strategies that we implemented that would generate 29, 30 signups in a single week. And we just kept on evolving and testing things and started to form sort of real world type formulas that we knew would work with other schools. And that's really what led it to this and made it a full-time business for me helping other martial arts school owners. And that leads me to this interview because this is really where it all got started for me. This was it. This was the club I started training at. This is where my martial arts journey started. I watched these guys evolve from one single school with six, seven hundred students, duplicate that model, more than doubling in size from the time that I was with them. And witnessing what these guys have done and the strategies that they've implemented and the, the, the frameworks and systems that they have in place is just phenomenal. And I can guarantee you, you are going to get a lot from this interview. This is going to be broken up into three different episodes for easier listening. Do keep a lookout for the future ones coming. So for now, let me introduce you to Sheehan Fulbritton and Sheehan Graham McDonald from the WA Institute of Martial Arts. All right, guys, welcome welcome to the show, the, the first show. I've got here with me Fulbritton. How are you? How are you going, guys? All right? Cool. And got Graham McDonald. Hey, guys. Ready to rock. Let's go. Cool. So, first episode for me, and uh, very appropriately, of course, because this was the the start of my martial arts journey. Yeah. Just being a parent, sitting on the side and and watching initially, and then got more involved in the club and started training myself, and then started helping the guys with some marketing mm-hmm. and um, just seeing sort of where the guys have evolved. I'm sitting right now actually in what's called the head office, which next door was actually the dojo. Mm-hmm. So you know, when I when I started training here, yeah, there was one school. I can't recall. I think there was probably about seven, eight hundred students. Maybe, maybe not even that much, George. How long have you been with us I've, now? It's, it's been about four years. Four years. So I reckon we probably would have been about the the maybe five to six hundred mark at yeah. that stage. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so that that was sort of the beginnings, and I'm sitting now with where you guys are at, <laughs> which is three different schools, different locations, 
with about 16, 1700 students. Yeah, that, yep. Right, and we're not sitting in the dojo anymore, we're actually sitting in the head, off lo- head, head office location. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> forever right. growing and evolving, mate, forever growing. So, so lots have happened. So what I'm going to try and do here today is go down the whole journey, just find out a bit more about Graham and Phil, where they sort of started, how they got going with all this, and the obstacles they faced getting to where they are today, what they've done, the processes they've had to implement it, the implement on the way, the changes they've had to make, the personal growth, and all the rest. So, <laughs> cool. so I, I guess uh, we, just to rewind the clock completely, let's start at the beginning. So, Phil, just a bit of background, who you are, where you started, and sure. so forth. Yeah, so, uh, you know, short, long story, sort of short, I guess, you know, I grew up in country town, uh, Western Australia, Exmouth, and you know my my passions was really just sport. I wasn't very well edu- educated or edumacated, as they say. Uh, definitely was not uh, book smart or school smart. That just wasn't my thing. I was a sporty type guy. Um, my 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 direction in life really was just to play professional AFL football. That that was it. Um, but at the age of sixteen, uh, you know, I, w- I was playing quite a high level, but I wanted to get the edge. And so I started martial arts uh, for two reasons. One, to get the edge, but, you know, also what little kid didn't want to be bloody Karate Kid, you know? So I was trying to tick a couple of boxes there, you know. I, I grew up with, you know, the, my mum's, you know, uh, dressing gown thing around my waist as my black belt, you know, did, did all that stuff, which I'm sure most of the listeners have probably did as well. But, yeah, martial arts for me was a, was a tool to get the edge in sport. Uh, but then I hit a bit of a roadblock and got injured, and uh, doctors said not to play football again. So I took up martial arts a little bit more seriously, and from sort of that that day there through to the year 2000, where I got my black belt, um, I was 20 years old, and it was at that point there that I also, I guess, you know, I, I think it happens a lot, and especially now being an instructor and a school owner, you see a lot of people hit that black belt level and then quit or move on because they feel like they've achieved their goal. And I, I was a victim of that too, so I, I actually did that. Um, but I did that because my injuries had got better and I was going back to play football. Um, two years had passed with no martial arts and just playing football, and then um, uh, you know, the story is I was on an end-of-season football trip and got blown up in a terrorist attack. Uh, I was there with 19 of my friends. Seven of them lost their lives. I got burnt to 60% of my body. And it, needless to say, life was very, very tough. So... One thing that happened to me in my recovery was that, you know, I, I, I called upon, I guess, skills that martial arts taught me that I never knew that I had. Breathing techniques, you know, strength, mental strength, you know, all this sort of stuff that, you know, as a young guy doing martial arts was probably never even in the forefront of my mind. But yet I called upon it in my time of need. Then in my recovery, you know, it was really just to try to get back to normality. So I took up martial arts as a, um, as a student it sort of snowballed a little bit, you know, I just fell back in love with training and, uh, you know, training more and more often. And then it just so happened that uh, a staff member at the school that I was training went on holiday. So I filled in just as a, just as a thing to help out. And uh, it sort of kept happening. And I just <laughs> ended up starting <laughs> teaching. And that's how, that's how I became an instructor, basically. Yeah. Okay, excellent. There's a, there's a few things I'd, I'd like to go back on in a bit. But um, Graham... Over to you. Cool. So my, my martial arts experience started a little earlier in life. Uh, I was uh, I was born in Ireland and moved over moved over to Australia probably when I was just just shy of six years old. And my my very first encounter on this lovely uh, lovely country we have was 
was being punched square in the face by this other kid. Uh, for the listeners listening, I, I've got red hair. At the time, I was a little weedy, you know, 20 kilos wet sort of kid, white <laughs> white skin and, and yeah, the, you know, funny, funny talking accent. So I got punched in the face and pretty much knocked out four of my front teeth. And as you are, uh, as a kid at six years old or just on, it's not too good a look when you've got uh, your front teeth missing. So uh, my dad pretty much took the active uh, step to go, look, new country, new place. You're going to have to learn to protect yourself. You're, uh, you know, forget the stigma. You're a redheaded uh, little kid that needs to learn how to fight. But, hey, look, I did take up that journey. And, and for me, it just it was another outlet, just another um, activity to do in a place where it was a foreign land and really just became part of a lifestyle and, and, and very much trained, trained consistently for 10 years in that, that system, that, that first initial uh, traditional karate system. Uh, unfortunately, I sort of hit a point there where the school didn't allow me to grow any further from that. Again, being just uh, just on 17 years old thereabouts, I had decided, wow, look, I want to I go explore something different, a different style, and happened to come across a school in, in Greenwood, the one that we now operate out of, and just started just training and, again, became addicted with something a little bit different and was fortunate enough that on my journey forward, I got an opportunity to be part of a, an instructor course, never with the intention to ever be an instructor, but just something different. And, geez, wow, look, once I, once I found the, the joy of helping others, it, it became a, uh, not just a habit, but became a ritual, a part of me, like, like breathing in and breathing out. And, and that's where on that journey forward, you know, as Phil sort of mentioned in his story, he came back and started training and our paths crossed. I was working in a part-time capacity, sort of full-time slash part-time, and managed to, uh, you know, bump into this buddy that sits beside me now. And we really didn't have a, a hell of a lot to do with each other at the time. But uh, as we've grown, you know, together going forward, he obviously jumped on board as an instructor and then we created a friendship from there. The, uh, the, the starting of our company is a, a completely different story, but that's really sort of how we ended up training and starting our journey together. But it's, uh, it's been a wild ride. And I think I'm, I'm just pushing 30 years of training at the moment. So it's a... Uh, a lifelong journey, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. So, so both of you mentioned that you—it's sort of like you fell into this whole instructor role mm. accidentally, and it's, it wasn't—it sounded like it wasn't really planned, but you you started doing it, and then you got hooked in sort of helping people and, and definitely and, and yeah. evolved from there. So, so what is what is that hook that really got you stuck into? What is that satisfaction that you got from instructing? I think for me, uh, the. F- you know, I, I was always a big believer if you wanted to be really good at something, you've got to be able to verbalise it, you've got to be able to teach it. And, and, and that was something that I learnt as an instructor, but the, the feeling you got from empowering or helping or teaching someone and seeing them improve, wow, that, that, that's addictive. That's like a natural drug, you know, like and that's just something that you can't get enough of, just seeing progression and growth in others and, and in doing that, that also helps you grow as well, and I think that's the, the for me personally that that was the that's what appealed to me is you know I get to do something that I love you know I'm passionate about martial arts I say fit and healthy I'm always growing and getting better as a martial artist and as a person and I also get to help other people which then in turn helps me again so it's like as I said it's like a drug you just can't get enough of it once <laughs> once you're hooked on teaching and and if you love doing it. Uh, you know, you just can't get enough. And, and I think that's what kept coming, for me, kept coming back as an instructor and growing from a part-time to a full-time to then wanting to get, jump into business in it. Look, for me, I, I think, George, uh, 
initially I had no idea of the the major benefits of sharing helping people it was it was more like a an extended family that that clan that comfortable uh, place where you're around others and when you've done martial arts and you could just you know you can do a technique for example that somebody looks upon and goes wow that was pretty cool can you show me that and then you sort of share with them that's your whether you like it or not that's instructing that that's sharing things and the more that people ask the more you go wow actually this is this is pretty cool you know i quite enjoy doing this but then you you go with learning how to communicate better then you really do see the 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 penny drop when you share something with somebody they get it and the joy and and uh you know watching them start their their, their journey is as Phil pointed out, is addictive. It's something that you just really love. So I think it's been nothing better than improving yourself internally, externally, but also sharing and helping others is is an amazing thing to to be able to do. I know that cheap um, as I've I've got the numbers uh, in my head. I know that myself and Phil, but just just thinking back now, and even in our instructing journey, we've together probably had contact in helping and sharing people over a million people in our martial arts journey. We've actually had an impact in their life, and that's. That's uh, that's an epic number. That's that's huge. Yep. All right. Okay. So let's let okay. So you, the friendship started, and you both trained at Weymouth. So so how did it how did it happen that you guys became the owners? How did you how did that evolve? Well, you know, Graham when I when Graham and I were working together uh, under our instructor, Graham was always sort of two IC, you know, he, he was, you know, the, the golden child <laughs> of the school and, you know, I, I knew I wanted more, you know what I mean? Like they, they, at that point, you know, I think it was 2006. Um, I really thought, you know what, you know, I don't just want to be an employee. I, I want to give this a crack, you know, I want to open up my own business and, and, and uh, give it a crack, you know. So in 2006, I started toying with this idea of opening up my own school, I uh, came across um, somebody who was also um, wanting to do the, the same thing. His name is Mike. And, you know, we, we started building this ideal of, you know, opening up a school together. And we did that in 2007. So I sort of left Graham and, you know, and as, a, as partners in, in employee employment and opened up my own school with a, a business partner in 2007. And, you know, I dropped everything, you know, and, and, and the, the stories of people opening up schools, you know, literally... I dropped every bit of income that I could to, to do this business, and my girlfriend at the time, you know, I mean, just my girlfriend at the time supported me. I had my own house, you know, bills, so she said, "I'll support you in this journey," and I know how much it means to you. And I was like, "Wow, you know, you'd do that for me." So, you know, I had this, you know, this this dream of within twelve months, I have to make this profitable. Um, and in in that sort of first six to seven months, you know, I worked really, 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 really hard, and uh, you know, as time went on, uh, you know, like anything, and, and, and this is, I guess, what we'll talk about a bit later, is partnerships are a tough thing to, to do. And, and as time went on that year in that business, we went really well. I think we grew to 100 students in the first 12 months. Uh, it was profitable, so we hit all the things, but something was missing for me. Uh, and it was at that time that uh, Graham, and he can probably uh, talk a bit about, about their story as well, it was about that time where I was having these feelings and still training along with Graham and, and catching up with him that he was like, uh, to our, our, our instructor and his boss was saying, look, it's time for me too, you know, like I can't keep being the, the 2IC, mm. yeah, I, I want my turn too, so either step aside type of thing to some degree, you know, mm. without being too blunt, or I want to go and pursue this passion too. Definitely, and just to sort of go on with that, George, is 
The, the real catalyst there was, uh, you know, obviously myself and Phil uh, were, were still great mates, even though he'd moved on and, and pursuing something different. The real, the real stickler for me that, that sort of forced the hand was um, my wife is, was pregnant with our first child, and I'm like, I'm, we've got to make this happen. You know, and at the time, I think, uh, you know, from a, from a career perspective, there's just no room for me to go, and financially, there was just no way that I was able to do this off a, just a, you know, a lackey's wage, basically. So I sort of said to, to the... To the owner at the time, who was pretty much sort of, you know, dare, dare I say, just just run down from having twenty five years in the biz and, and just been tired. And there was probably the you know, the stars aligned and just said, "Hey, I need to step up, or I'm going to go step out." And he just said, "Look, did you want to buy the school? You know, I'm, I'm willing to sell it." And at the time, I was thinking, "Holy shit! Okay, I can't." Uh, I can't do this by myself. I, I would love to have someone there that we could work hand in hand together. So um, having chatted with Phil plenty of times, I said, mate, there's an opportunity for us to sort of, um, you know, bring you back home, so to speak, and for us to break this model apart and put it back together the way that we think it should be. And uh, in, in 2008, we we took over uh, the school, which was um, uh, under a previous name, and, and Weimar, the WA Institute of Martial Arts, was born and my goodness, what a ride it has been since uh, since then. <laughs> Excellent. So just heading back to Phil quickly, you mentioned that you had support from your girlfriend mm. financially. And I guess for somebody starting out, you know, that's that's probably the biggest barrier to cross because yeah. you, you're probably in a full-time job, maybe you're a part-time instructor. Yep. And so now you've got to get over this hump financially. So yeah. financially, and you've got to obviously make sure that, you know, if you've got a family or you've got somebody else in your life, or you're about to have a kid, which is probably the, the biggest um, pressure point for any entrepreneur is, you know, to get your stuff together. Yeah. It's got to happen. But how did that conversation go, you know, to, to, you know, how was that the conversation with your girlfriend at the time to get behind you and support yeah. you? You know, I think the, the lesson here, and this is what I practice and preach to anyone in this boat uh, that is looking to go full-time or even part-time is, is you need to actually have a plan. And you need to make sure that, you know, all your expenses are covered, meaning, you know, if you've got a house, you've got to be paying your, your mortgage, you've got your bills to pay. So you can't just go out on a whim and start a business and think it's going to be great because that's, that's, you know, the statistic is how many businesses do fail in the first year. That wasn't an option because, you know, I sort of burnt the bridge, uh, so to speak, the boat, you know, <laughs> and uh, I, I knew that, you know, with, with her support, with financially, that we could survive, although it was really, really tough. And then, you know, in that year as well, although the business wasn't making money, I was working tire- tirelessly doing PTs, private training sessions. You know, I had maybe six, seven, eight clients a week, all at 60 to 90 minutes, you know. you know, And I was charging quite well, so I was getting some cash, you know. I hope the tax man's not listening, but you know, <laughs> that, that's probably one of the ways that martial arts instructors can get a little bit of, you know, um, hip, hip money, you know, in the pocket. And that's sort of what helped us get through that time was just the agreed that, you know, we'll give this a shot for a year. We're willing to battle it out. We've got enough finances to be able to cover the expenses. Um, and we were literally going to burn the boat and just go hard. And, and that's really the decision that, that I made. And I would, that would be the decision I would, I would uh, ask others to do as well. Mm. Is if they're going to make that jump, don't do it stupidly. Don't do it uneducatedly. You've got to make the decision that, yes, my bases are covered. And I'm going to give this a red hot go for 12, 18, 24 months. That's how much we got. And we're going to go hard. We're going to burn the bridge, you know. And, and if that point comes 
and you're not there yet, then you make another decision. You know, what's the worst you can say? Live a life of regret or say, I gave it a shot and I failed, but you know what, I'm wiser and I'm more educated and I'm more stronger as a person uh, and a business person for doing that. So, you know, there are no quick wins, there are no easy things in business or in life, but you can stack the odds in your favour and set up a plan. And then, you know, at the end of the day, my, my, my thing is like, well, why not? Or what now? We hit that point, what now? Let's make a decision now. We go left, we go right, we go straight. Yeah. Just in that too, George, I know that, um, uh, you know, coming on board and creating this, this, this new company, Waymer, the unknowns, you know, I remortgaged my house. I was barely making enough to, to pay the repayments anyway, but remortgage your house and take that leap of faith. Having a new baby come on the scene where your wife now no longer brings any income into the, into the household, the unknown whether you can pay the bills, but you've got to back yourself. You've got to believe that you're worth it, you're good enough. Having a good plan is, is vital. And I know that Phil was uh, in a very similar boat coming on board with a different partnership, you know, moving from one that, that he left behind to a new one was, again, another risk. You know, financially, we both had put some, some money invested in that there was a, a good chance we would lose it if we didn't work our butt off. And I guarantee you, you know, there was not a, a waking moment in the day that we weren't both driven to make, make it succeed. So... I think that's a that's a that's a big drive is when you've got uh, your back against the wall or you got that you know you got to fight for something and that that was something I think we we found ourselves in that situation where there was no option to go backwards failure wasn't an option uh, you know pun the cliche sort of there but that's pretty much where we're at and and I guarantee uh, you know we made it happen and, and it's you know we've got some some great numbers and stories from from how we made it happen and what we got within that first twelve months and the the next twelve months and so on and so forth but. A big part was belief in yourself and, well, as Phil sort of said, you know, you burn the boat, you can't go backwards, you can only go forwards. Excellent. Yeah, and I, I guess I just want to go back and emphasise that because I, I think, you know, every instructor then has that opportunity if they want to, you know, yeah. if, it, if, if that's the way they want to go, you know, they've, they've really got access to an audience to do those part-time, part-time, you know, PT instruction gigs yeah. and you know, help fund, I guess, help cover the, just the majority of expenses yeah, yep. and just push forward with the classes and, and go George, for it. George, it's, you know, it's like uh, bungee jumping or skydiving. There's always that risk of, is it going to open? Is it, the, the string going to break? You know, it's that, that gap, that fear of, you know, the security. And, and Phil would talk all about comfort zones and whatnot. And most people will, will only ever live life on the edge, you know, not even not even the edge of their comfort zone. They're sort of staying in that centre where, I can't do this, I can't do that. You know, they're, they're in a comfortable place and they're not willing to take that leap of faith and give it a go. And, you know, they, they can be quite surprised at, you know, how close they are to succeeding, but yet they don't take that, that opportunity, that chance. So uh, that was something we thought, oh, bugger it, we're going. And we'll check if the parachute's in the backpack once we've jumped. So at, that's the, at the end of the day, you know, there is no reward without risk. And yeah. that's what Graham's getting at. You know, yes, you know, we all mortgaged our houses, yes. We had families on the way. Graham had his child. I had probably one on the way at that time. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we worked day in, day out, you know, six days a week. And on the Sunday that we didn't work, we were still thinking about work. You know, we'd come home at 10, 11 o'clock at night and we'd be at work at, you know, 10 in the morning, 9 in the morning. So, you know, there's, 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 you can't have that pipe dream that everything's going to be rosy straight away. Mm. If you want something bad enough, you've got to do whatever it takes to make it succeed. Yep. Brilliant. So can you recall that first plan? You, you mentioned that you had, a, you had a plan that you were going to go. Can you briefly describe what that plan was? Right, we time? want to make 
truckload more money, you know, <laughs> truckload more students, and we're going to do it this way. Look, I think it's, uh, it was really just getting back to, you know, having, having an existing business and a shell there, uh, the, the engine needed to be rebuilt, basically, you know, from the ground up. And, and we really did have a good look at the, the, the systems that were in place. There were some that were functioning, some that were just well and truly outdated. Um, again, you know, there was the culture of the school needed to change for us. And again, it's just then identifying what we wanted to brand ourselves as and market ourselves as. And that was a that was a huge one when you're looking to, you know, I guess re re identify yourself as a as a different entity when you've, you know, stepped into a you know a shell. So we certainly did have quite a few things that we needed to do. And first and foremost was getting our identity and who we were and what we stood for. So it allowed for us then to be able to market that that image, that brand, that that standpoint. And again, the, the energy that we brought to it, it was just really letting people know who we were and what we stand for and that we would surpass all expectations in everything that we delivered, both quality of product, but the experience that you have from the minute you speak to us to the, you know, the, the moment you walk out the door. So everything we, we really pride ourselves on, you know, providing excellent service and everything. And that's, that's sort of where the start point was. And look, there's so many little factors that are in there, but it really was getting that clear vision of what we wanted to deliver and making sure that everything was in alignment with that. Okay, so, all right. So you guys stepped in. What, what was the, so, so you kind of wanted to establish your values. Yep. Okay, was, it, what, was there any obstacle in doing that? So obviously because there was a previous owner and, you know, set, set, things were set in certain ways. Yep. And here you guys come, although you're not new to the whole school because you're really yep. instructors, but were there any sort of stick points you know that happened was retention or anything at that point when you guys yeah took over? we we lost we lost uh, a ton of students we lost a ton of our senior black belts because we were um, you know the guys who were trained under the previous instructor uh, were loyal to them and they they certainly knew us but when it come to us making decisions and, and steering the ship you know for, for various reasons they decided that it wasn't the path they were going to go down and look. You know, I, I say this often, you, you've got to crack a few eggs to make an omelette, simple as that. You know, you're going to lose some people. And that was something that, as, as crappy as it was, you know, again, we're talking about finances here and we're talking about, you know, struggling and we're, we're losing students. But we knew that we would, the ones that we had left, we're, we were going to share in the vision where we were heading and then we would grow from that. So you got to, you got to, you know, you got to weed the garden to let the flowers bloom. So that's, you know, there's plenty, plenty of those phrases that you hear coming out, but really that's sort of where it was at. We need to get rid of things that weren't in alignment of where we're heading and, and unfortunately that was sometimes students sometimes it was staff uh systems so it was really just getting clarity on where we wanted to be in that 12 24 36 months whatever it may be yeah i think uh for my point of view um and to go on quotes that graham you know a snake's got to shed its skin mm. and you know we, we we knew that you know in our style it takes about four years to get a black belt so our one of our goals were to have our own black belts like through and through so the day that we took over when someone joined you know that would be the first line of black belts that were trained purely by us um so yeah th- through the journey there was always going to be people who dropped off and we knew that um but we we we, we got into that business you know head down bum up and just like like graham said earlier he we, we rebuild the engine you know we, we put our stamp on it we changed the name with the branding uh, the niche client, you know, the, the systems, the procedures. So we really did change the business in a way that we were we knew we were going to drop people, but we did it on purpose because you know you don't 
You don't make changes in your business for the, the students you have. You make changes in your business for the students you will have. You know, so, you know, the, the effects will affect the people who you currently have, but I'm thinking about, like, what about the guy who joins or the girl or the kid that joins now? What are they going to be like in four years' time? Not the, the black belt now because, you know, they've done their journey. So I want to make sure that the changes I have is a long-term effect change in my business. And, you know, one of the things for, for Graham and I was like, you know, we took over the business. We, we were on a certain wage that was going to get us by. But, we you know, again, we burnt the bridges and we, we said we, we needed double, no, double numbers. You know, I think we took it over about 300 um, so you now it's quite a decent sized school as well, but it wasn't enough for two people, two managers to take the, the wage that we needed sure. to survive. So in that first year, to give a bit of a background, after all the changes, after getting in there with enthusiasm, we after you know going hard, hard, uh, we doubled student numbers and tripled revenue within twelve months. So we went from three hundred to six hundred, and you know we don't need to throw numbers in monetary value, but you know we then went from almost a single person's wage to a, a double person's ways plus being able to employ more people as well within the first 12 months some of the things george that we really did and we focused on prior to rewarding ourselves was to reinvest back in the the school and back in our students so there was a lot of things that didn't contribute to um you know students and getting students but getting new pads getting you 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 know new coat of paint and this and that the other was it was all those little things that was an expense going out but it was for a reason it was it was that branding it was that rebirth rather than just stepping into the same shell and just trying to call it something different. It wasn't. It really did need to have that um, knock down and rebuild uh, within reason. Obviously, we couldn't knock the building down, but we pretty much gutted everything else out. And, you know, that was something that we really wanted to be mindful of is really reinvesting back into our marketing, back into our um, our systems, you know, investing in our team, our staff, and not taking shortcuts just to get that quick win because, you know, the thing is, if you took that shortcut and you think, I'm only there for the money, you probably would have reached that point, but there was no growth past that. So we, we really invested in building a really solid foundation to help us to grow to the heights and the levels that we wanted. And look, I talk about this often with other, other people. If you look at a, a residential home, the, the slab or the foundation is only, let's say, 10, 10 centimetres thick on a single storey. And you can only, from that thickness, build a single storey house. If you want to build a skyscraper, it's almost you need to go twice the depth of the skyscraper as it is going to be high to make sure you can build that solid platform so it's not going to fall over. In other words, we invested a hell of a lot back into the foundation of our business before we focused on the growth, but it actually came almost secondary. The growth was just happening anyway. But it just meant that we were able to sustain the growth without getting to a point and having a you know a, a catastrophic failure by having too many students and not enough staff and so on and so forth. So. That, that, was, that was a real big one that we want to do. We didn't want to skimp uh, on doing the right thing for, for everybody internal and also mainly the students as well too. That's the end of part one of the three-part series with Graham and Phil from the WA Institute of Martial Arts. Tune back for the next episode. We'll be going a bit deeper down the journey and we're going to be talking about opening up the funnel, why you should ditch your ego, why being the grand guru will kill your business how to reach a bigger audience, why investing in coaches is imperative to your success, following a recipe, and the number one thing you need to do before opening up your second school. So to make sure you get notified about the second episode, you can go to our website, martialartsmedia.com, and if you haven't yet, download the free business plan we have for online media. That'll get you on our email list, and we'll send you a short notification when this episode is ready. 
If not, you can also go to Stitcher, Stitcher Radio, if you're on an Android device, an Android phone, or you can go to iTunes and subscribe from there. That's it. Look forward to seeing you in the next episode. I'll chat to you then. We'll conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening. If you need help building your martial arts school, check out martialartsmedia.com. 